0: Abby Johnson has been a fierce advocate for women. That's why she took a job with Planned Parenthood. It's also why she rose through the ranks to become a clinic director. But when she assisted in an actual abortion, it's no exaggeration to say that it literally turned her world upside down. Abby joins us today to talk about her personal story, her thoughts on pro-life issues and how to raise pro-life children. Stay with us. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms, I'm Debbie Kuralitis, your host of the Moms for America podcast. Welcome. This is a show encouraging, inspiring, and educating moms in their journey through motherhood. We want to go ahead right here at the top of the show to invite you to like and subscribe, share our podcast with all your mama friends and your mama group. Uh, also, if you have any information that like, you would like to share with us, uh, ideas, topics, would you please email me at podcast at net? Again, you can email me at podcast at, um, at moms for america.net. I also want to invite all of our mamas listening, everybody out there to join our movement here at Moms for America. It's moms like us all across the country, uniting together to fight for our faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. So go ahead, please check us out at momsforamerica.us. All of our information is there. We would love to have you join us, uh, join our family, I should say. So on to today's program. Uh, Several years ago, Abby Johnson wrote the book, Unplanned, the dramatic, and I mean dramatic, true story of a former Planned Parenthood leader's eye-opening journey across the lifeline that book was turned into the movie unplanned in 2019 the book and the movie tell the remarkable story of abby's life her commitment to helping women secure abortions and why her point of view changed dramatically on abortion Uh, this is going to be a great show and i am thrilled to have her joining us today Welcome, Abby. Thank you for joining us on the Moms for America podcast. We're thrilled to have
1: you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, I have met you in person a couple of times. I've heard you speak. Uh, I've watched your movie. I've listened to your podcast. I, I'm i I'm a great fan. Um, warriors like you, mamas like you that are sharing their story, sharing their voice, inspires all of us, right? It educates us. It, it encourages us. It you're just doing a great job. So thank you for everything you're doing. I know it hasn't been easy. This is a difficult story for you to share, but God is using you in a, in a mighty way.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm, honor- I'm honored to do it. I, um, you know, God has blessed me with the ability to do something that I love and uh, to do something that has a purpose. And yeah. so I'm just grateful every day to be able to, you know, do something that, that really matters. And, uh, and this is, so this is really mattering. better than
0: that. Yeah. This is really mattering. Would you mind just telling, uh, the moms that are listening to us a little bit about your family? I mean, you have quite a little tribe over there. You're
1: busy mama. I do. Yeah. <laughs> eight, eight kiddos and, uh, eight kids. They are 15, 10, 9, 8, 7, 5, 5, and three. So we we have a very busy house. And, yes. Uh, very very noisy, very fun, and we love it. And uh, we've just been very very blessed. Uh, we have one adopted child. Uh, our seven year old is adopted, and set of a set of twins. And just life is crazy, but it's fun. Just and as a side note, did you always want a large family? I didn't actually. I I'm an only child, so uh- I didn't grow up with siblings, didn't grow <laughs> up, you know, in big families or anything. But um, yeah, when I left the clinic, when I left Planned Parenthood, I, I just, you know, I was actually at church one day and I felt, I, I, I really, I heard God almost audibly wow. say to me, you will have eight children. And I love that. I was like, no,
0: you were like, no. Let me let me think about this for a moment.
1: <laughs> I, like, I don't think so. I don't, you know. Um, but I, yeah, it was. It was just almost this audible voice of the Lord, and that's happened to me at, at maybe like three, three or four times in my life. And um, he said, "So I guess want- you're not surprised when you look back, because yeah." And he was like, the You Lord have told children. you." <laughs> and every time, every time, you know, I'd have a baby, and I would think even when I had, even when I had the twins and that was, you know, six and seven and people were like, okay, yeah, you're finally (laughs) done. Right. And, um, and there was just this feeling inside of me, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done. And right after I had Fulton, our eighth child, I just had this sense of peace come over me. Like, okay, now you're done. And I thought, okay, Lord, like you were right. Eight kids, that was it, you know? Oh, what a
0: great story. And you know, this is such a powerful story once we actually hear a little bit about your life. I mean, this is not the life that you thought you were going to have. Um, You were on a completely different trajectory for your life. Would you, I know it's going to be hard. We only have a half hour here to to discuss, but a little bit about your story. You were raised in a faith-based home that was pro-life from what I understand. Um, and through your journey, you end up working for Planned Parenthood and end up being quite the rock star there as far as their standards. Um, how how did you end up at Planned Parenthood? How did this happen? How did your career take you there, I should say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I did grow up in a Christian conservative home. I've got two of just, I believe, the greatest parents on the planet, Um, but you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a, in a home that necessarily talked about abortion. I think my parents just believed, you know, we've taught Abby the biblical pathway to marriage and that's abstinence. And so as long as she follows that path, then abortion will never be on the table. So we just don't need to talk about something so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with our daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents were not activists in the pro-life movement. They didn't go, you know, march at pro-life rallies or, you know, we didn't volunteer at pregnancy centers. I didn't even know what a pregnancy center was. So, um, we just really didn't discuss it at all. It wasn't talked about in my church. Like even today, it's not Mm -hmm. talked about in most churches, right? This is Um, where we're failing, but our pulpits are silent and they were silent back then too. And it was a different time in our country. Abortion was not talked about in the media like it is today. Um, women were not standing up at podiums and you know shouting their abortion. Um, anything involving sexuality was considered more taboo, and so nobody was wearing a shirt that says, you know, I've had an abortion. Women were not proud right. of the fact that they had right. killed their children. It was a so different culture, it was, right. just a, different time. it was a different time. Culture was different. So I went to college very uneducated about the topic of abortion. Honestly, very uneducated about sex and sexuality. Um and so I, you know, got into a relationship with a guy that was eight years older than me. That progressed very quickly. It progressed physically very quickly. And um I did not have the really the um I did not I had a very close relationship with my mom, but I did not have the relationship with my mom where I could go to her and say you know, mom, things are happening in this relationship and I'm not really sure what's going on here. And I, you were kind of on your own to you about it, you know, or, um, and, and so, uh, I just, you know, things continue to progress and I actually had my first unplanned pregnancy and I did not contact my parents. You know, I did not, um, have a conversation with them. My boyfriend said, let's go have an abortion. There was no discussion about adoption, no discussion about parenting. Um, And I said, okay you know, right. and this is what people do probably yeah, right. I was, in, I was in a state of crisis, right? I was sure. like, I, my parents can't know my dad's a deacon in the church, right? My mom's a church pianist, right? They would right. be so embarrassed. They would right. be so ashamed. Right. So I'm just going to go take care of this. And that way nobody will know and nobody will be embarrassed. And right. my parents won't have any idea that I was having sex outside of marriage and everything can just go back to the way it was. And I had my first abortion wow. in 2000. And shortly after I met a woman with Planned Parenthood, but by that time, abortion had already entered my life sure. and that sin had already gotten a hold of my soul. Right. And so I was already sort of headed down that path. Right. And by that time, sexual immorality had already entered my life. Um, so and, at, at that point with that, with
0: that abortion, did you feel like there was a life there or were you kind of no. just most, of, a lot of the population where you just kind of like, it's, it's, it's not something i want to worry about. I'm just going to let it go.
1: Away. No, I mean, I was just thinking about me. Right. I was thinking about me and my right. crisis. And honestly, when I had the abortion, I felt very relieved. I mean, all okay. of these studies that I see where, you know, you see 95% of women feel relieved after they have an abortion. I think yeah, absolutely. I felt very relieved because at that time it was, it was a very selfish decision. Sure. I wasn't thinking about the baby. I wasn't thinking about the fact that there was a life in, in my womb. I didn't, I didn't know how far right. along it was in my pregnancy. I was sick. I was throwing up all the time. I was embarrassed. I felt sure. ashamed and I just needed to have this crisis done. I needed to have it over with and done with. And so that's why I had the abortion. And, uh, and my boyfriend told me this is going to fix all of our problems. Right. 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 And so, um, and so we had the abortion. I was so glad I wasn't throwing up anymore. I was so glad that this, this embarrassment was over with. I was so glad I wasn't pregnant anymore. Um, I was so glad I wasn't going to have to tell my parents. I felt so relieved. I had no regret. And um, did you go to a Planned Parenthood? Did you go when I see these it? studies? I'm like, yeah, of course. I know exactly how these women feel. The reality is that most women don't have any trauma or regret from their abortion set in until 15 to 20 years down the road. Uh-huh. That's the reality of trauma. Um, and so I did not have my first abortion at a Planned Parenthood. I okay. had it at a private clinic. I didn't know what, I still didn't know what Planned Parenthood was when I was approached by Planned Parenthood. But when she started telling me, you know, about, Safe and legal abortion, and you know, women's rights, and all that. I thought, okay, well, I've already exercised my right to choose, so I should help other women exercise their right to choose, right? And I was already, you know, sort of on that slippery slope, right? Um, was it about it's like you're in a sinking ship and you're trying to drag everybody else in with you. And that was me. And so I was very easy. I was very vulnerable to their Mm -hmm. talking points because of the sin I was already sort of immersed in. And I started volunteering as a college kid, graduated. They offered me a lot of money to start working there, started working there. And I just started getting promoted through the ranks. I was educated. I was Mm -hmm. articulate. Um, They found you you to be a great
0: spokesperson really for them.
1: Yeah. And I was white. So, you know, sort of the, sort of the trifecta, right? So they employ a lot of low income, low education, minority workers to sort of do the day-to-day grunt work in the clinics. They promote educated, articulate white people through the ranks. So, um, so that was me. So I um, I got promoted promoted eventually I was the director, but I'm not medical. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. I w- I got my degree in um, counseling. So I went on and got my master's degree in therapy. Um, and how
0: long did you, know, you how long did you work at the clinic before you had this pivotal moment? What was how long were you there? I was there for eight years. Eight years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're there eight years. You're really rising star. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, and we'll talk about it a little bit later as we go on here, but the movie portrays this really well, um, and just how successful you were, how much they liked you, how they were hoping that really you were going to go on and do great things for Planned Parenthood, but something changed your whole uh, trajectory uh, with this organization. It really changed your whole entire life. You were invited in. I, I don't know the. I don't want to you know say the story because I don't know it as well as you do. But you were invited in to watch and assist with the abortion.
1: Yeah, it was an ultrasound guided abortion. Ultrasounds are not typically used during an abortion procedure, so we use them to date the pregnancy so that we knew how how much to charge her for the abortion. Okay. But then the ultrasound is rolled away and it's not used during the actual abortion procedure. But this visiting physician, this visiting abortionist um, did use them in his own private practice. So he wanted to show us what this type of abortion procedure looked like. And so uh, in order to do that though, he needed an extra pair of hands to actually hold the ultrasound probe in place during Hmm. the abortion. And so I was called in to be that set of hands and so we did the ultrasound. The baby was a little over 13 weeks in gestation. By that time, the baby is completely formed. Wow. Arms, legs, fingers, toes, eyes, everything. Hearts have mm-hmm. been beating since three weeks. Um, post-conception, every internal organ that we have in our bodies is completely formed on a pre-born child by 13 weeks. Um, baby just needs more time to grow. So I was, you know, standing there looking at the screen, feeling very nervous, not knowing what I was about to see hmm. on this, on this ultrasound. And, um, is that the first time for you that you thought it was a baby? Was that realization
0: something that you had at this moment at the clinic, or is this still something you were not
1: accepting? Um, I mean, you know, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I mean, I've pieced baby parts back together in the POC lab that's part of working in the clinic um it wasn't really it, it for me it was recognizing that I'm about to see this child die right in in real time so you know people are like oh how could you you know how could you look at these body parts and and not recognize that this was a child well right. I mean it was it was just death it was just parts it was just I don't know. I don't really know how I reconciled that in my head, but it just was sort of medical, you know, it was like, okay, Okay. well, it's just, it's just parts. It's just something that, that we have to do. It's just part of the procedure. I didn't see the death of that child. I didn't, I didn't watch its heart beating and then stop. I, it was just sort of the aftermath of the abortion. right? Right. Okay. Um,
0: and sometimes when you're, when you are submerged in something, you don't
1: see the truth. You only see what you're being told. Or yeah. What and you I mean, think. sin really can blind you. Sure, it does. Right. I mean, like to what, and that, it's really what happened to me. So, um, but when I'm looking at this baby on the screen, I'm seeing it sort of like wiggle around and, right. and I'm seeing this heart beating and I'm like, okay, like what, what's, what am I about to see here? Like what's about to happen here? And um, I see the, the suction tube go into, I can see it going closer and closer to the baby. And uh, when it touches him, the baby begins to jump and it's moving away. And, and you can see it trying to recoil and, and trying to move mm-hmm. away from that suction instrument. And wow. I just thought, oh my gosh, this, this baby is having the exact same reaction that any of us would have sure. if someone was threatening our life, right? We would be trying to actively move away from right. that threat. But in this case, there's nowhere for that baby to go. No, this is its safe Haven, right? right? This is this baby's safe Haven and Haven, and we are intruding and, um, so you it watched was, this, you watched it was this the abortion most happened. horrific thing I, I've ever seen. And, um, you know, I, I, saw this baby's heart stop beating. I saw this baby become dismembered in, in his mother's womb. And I, I knew then that, um, you know, what I had witnessed, it was not choice. It was not any form of justice, like we called it, you know, reproductive justice. It wasn't that. It wasn't certainly was not healthcare. Right. Um, you know what I had witnessed was the intentional killing of an innocent human being, and yeah. you know there's a word for that, and that's murder. And I knew that that's what I had witnessed, and it was it was like, you know, in the Bible it talks about the veil being lifted. Yeah.
0: I was just going to say and that. And that it was, was, really, pulled back, that was wasn't really that was really what happened. So, now, after this happens, you you stay through the abortion, you you, you go I, I remember in the movie you were crying, you were just devastated. Um, was that the day you walked out and never walked back in?
1: no um i I actually was there for a week after um, okay. i um I really didn't know what to do. I thought I was sort of naive actually in the first First few days, I thought I can change Planned Parenthood. <laughs> I thought um, I'm going to get them to stop doing abortions. You know, um, that was actually what I thought because I thought I think I'm influential enough mm. at Planned Parenthood that I can get them to change. Um, and then I I soon realized after a couple of days, okay, that's not gonna that's happen. not going to happen. Right. <laughs> um, and so then I thought, okay. Um, I'm just not going to do, I'm not gonna have anything to do with abortions, but I, I have to find another job. I can't just leave. I was making a ton of money. Um, my husband was a public school teacher. So I thought I, we're going to be broke if I, you know, if I don't have another job and I just leave, um, I think you're probably, you're
0: trying to gather your thoughts
1: together. You're trying to make it. So I thought I I have to figure something out before I leave. I can't just jump, you know, without having this safety net. And, um, and so a week had gone by. I felt sick. I felt like I wanted to vomit every time I went into work. I just hated it. I knew I was participating in like something evil, you know? And, uh, but I was like, but I'm not doing the abortions. I'm not having anything to do with the abortions. I've separated myself from it. And then one day, I went into work. I was standing there in my office. I was looking out the window and I saw this woman walking outside she walked out the door and she was holding this little brown paper bag. And I knew inside of that paper bag were the pills for medication abortion. And I just thought, I'm, I'm still doing it. Like, even if I'm not in the room, even if I'm not counseling her, Mm -hmm. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Because pl- everything about Planned Parenthood is abortion. My paycheck is still coming from abortion. My 401k is still being funded by abortion. Like everything right. is about abortion here. And I was like, I, if, if the Bible says, do not compromise with evil, flee from it. And I thought, you know what? I was like, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. We may have to be homeless. I don't know what's right. going to happen. But I was like, I cannot be here another day. And I was so thankful that I did have that faith foundation growing up, because even though I had strayed from the Lord, even though I had definitely become of the world while I was at the clinic, I was so glad that my parents had instilled that foundation of faith in me because I knew that the Lord was not going to let me fall. Right. And I knew that if I took that step of faith, he would catch me. And so that's when I was like, I I've got to get out of here. And, um, and that's when I left.
0: So that was it. You say you've, you, you crossed the lifeline. Mm -hmm. So I I love that. Um, now you go on, I can't imagine how difficult it was. I can't imagine the backlash, the pressure, um, tough decisions, uh, for sure. But God has opened up so many doors for you. Uh, how did the, how did the, the movie come about? Yeah. who, who said to you, Abby, let's listen, you know, you, you're getting out there, you're sharing your testimony. And now all of a sudden you've got this movie in the plans and it, it was a huge success. Mm-hmm. I know people that are pro-choice that want to see it because yeah. of who you were and what you've done. And it opened up the door for a lot of churches and discussions for families, for kids. It's a tough discussion, but the movie gave us a platform. That's how I feel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'd written Unplanned that became a national bestseller. I, I wrote that in 2011. It came out January 11, 2011. It was a huge success, much to my surprise. Cause I thought the only people that are going to read it were like my family. Um, that became a big success. And then, um, I wrote my second book, um, that came out in 2015, the walls are talking and that was successful too. And so, um, I started my ministry and then there were none in 2012 helping nice. to get abortion clinic workers out of the industry. And so I was just kind of doing my thing, you know. Right. And then um, one day I got a, an email from these two guys and uh, they asked me if I was interested in turning my book, Unplanned, into a major motion picture. And I emailed them back and said, no. Uh, you did I'm say not- no. I was like, I'm yeah. I'm really not. And um, they said, Well, we're the guys that did God's Not Dead. Oh. And I was like, again. You were still no? No. I was oh. like, I honestly, I thought that movie was super cheesy. And <laughs> I'm not interested in you cheesing up my life. Oh, um no. so I was like, no.
0: Two no two no's. Was there a third no, too? Yeah, And so they note? were like,
1: Will you just let us come? To Austin, where I live, <laughs> and will you just let us come and and talk to you? And I was like, okay, but I mean, it's still going to be a no. So they came and uh, <laughs> they talked to me, and um, I just felt like I had been vulnerable enough, right? And I thought, seeing, I mean, your you would really be putting it all out there, yeah. Like seeing your life up on a big screen, I was like, not interested. And so um they came, and I was still like, just. Mm-mm. And I said, well, I'll think about it. And so they left and my husband was like, hey, have you even prayed about this? Or are you just like throwing up the no without even praying about it? And I was just like, oh. shut up, you know?
0: <laughs> and I that knew like- prayer thing asking yeah, God what and I'm knew, supposed to do,
1: come on. I knew that this is something that God wanted me to do. I just was so- hesitant to do it and I mean even
0: reliving it again and again and again it's got to be difficult
1: yeah but I thought oh like my abortion up on the screen like like I just was like oh my gosh like my grandma's gonna see this you know right so um but I finally was like okay I'll do it and um it was a I mean it was a good process it was difficult but it was good and in the end though it really didn't matter what I thought I mean in the end it was really about converting people to christ converting people to the pro-life movement it was about saving lives it was about saving eternal lives like that's what it was about and in the end that's exactly what it did Mm -hmm. and uh, it really wasn't about abby johnson at all it could have been about alice smith right i mean like it didn't matter um it wasn't about me it was really about glorifying the lord and that's that's what i think we did
0: beautiful well moms if you have not seen unplanned i think everyone I assume that everyone has seen it, but, you know, there's some new moms that are joining us, Abby. So if you have not seen Unplanned and you have not heard or seen this story, read her books, it's definitely a must-see. Then you go on, like you said, you've got a couple ministries that you're working through, let alone being the mama of eight. You've got the podcast, international speaker. I mean, God has just opened up some beautiful doors for you um, because you said yes. And that's why I want to just pause here for a minute. Because a lot of times we just have to say, yes, we've got a tough situation, incredible circumstances, but if we can say yes to what God is doing in our lives, he will bring healing and he will bring opportunity for his glory. And that's what's happened with your life. It's beautiful. Thank you. What about the Supreme Court decision um, overturning Roe v. Wade? Now, I'd love to just get a couple of talk about a couple of points that are happening in the culture. What will happen now with the pro-life movement uh, with, the, with our country? It's going to go to the States. What do you see happening? I know you're speaking all across the country on life and legislation. Um, what are your thoughts? What are we going to see now in the pro-life movement?
1: Well, I mean we've we've actually you know we've sort of made our fight a little more difficult because we've taken it from you know one federal battle to now you know fifty one individual 15. battles if we right. you know conti- if we count d c, which I wish we didn't have to, but we do um so we've got now you know fifty one individual battles. um I think honestly the the most difficult thing that we're that we're dealing with, and this is something that I, I think everybody needs to really hear what I'm saying is, you know, we had this, this, we really had a test. Mm -hmm. And that test case was Kansas, right? Uh, Kansas had a ballot initiative and this was the first test case after Roe, right? So they had this ballot initiative and Kansas is a pro-life state. They are a red state, they are a conservative state. Um, in no way, shape, or form is Kansas a pro-choice, right. pro-abortion state. Okay, not a liberal state. They had this. They had this ballot initiative to um, outlaw abortion in to make abortion illegal in Kansas. Uh, they had you know good marketing. They had a good campaign. They had good boots on the ground. They had door-to-door campaigns, doing all the stuff. By you know by all all belief everybody thought this was going to pass Mm -hmm. and this was the first opportunity that a state had to really sort of flex uh what roe means right Right. that the the states have the opportunity to to legislate how they want now that roe has been overturned and they failed the pro-life movement failed uh by a landslide And it didn't make sense. People were like, this doesn't make sense. What's going on? Mm -hmm. The problem is it didn't happen. It failed because people didn't show up and vote. Yes. That is going to be a consistent problem across this country. Mm -hmm. It is a consistent problem because only about half of Christians church going Mm -hmm. Christians are registered to vote. Right. And so when you have only half of Christians, people who probably would be voting the right way, um, they don't show up registered to vote. Right. It's really pathetic because you've got people who you've got these Democrats out here. You've got liberals, pro boards, people who are trying to, break down traditional marriage you've got these people out here who are really working for evil Right, they're out here renting 12 passenger vans 15 passenger vans they're busing people in mm-hmm. okay going going you know door to door busing people in to vote for a democratic vote mm-hmm. and we can't even get people in the pews of our church to register right. to right. vote much less go to their local poll to vote. It's so pathetic because what that means is that these people who are working for evil have a greater urgency, a greater passion, a greater passion to do evil. Right. Then we have right. to do God's work. Right. And that is, is so ridiculous. I it know. is so pathetic. And it should be shocking. To, it should be shocking enough that we are on our social media, that we are making phone calls, that we are doing everything we can to encourage our friends and our family members that we are up their noses to make sure that they are out there voting. I just voted today. I have my little sticker. I early <laughs> voted. I went out and did my part. And on our staff call today, for and then there were none, I was like, have you voted already? Who has mm-hmm. voted? Raise your hand if you're if you're voting. Right, Raise right. your hand if you're planning on voting today. And these are my employees. I know they're going to go vote, sure. but I am going to make sure that they mm-hmm. are going to go out and vote because I know they're all going to vote for life. Mm-hmm. I know they're all going to vote in a righteous way. And yeah. I want to make sure that their vote is counted. Yeah. And that is what we all need yeah, to be doing. We, we need to, need to be too. holding people accountable, particularly those who are in our families in our church communities, in our friend circles. We need to make sure that people are going out there and they're voting. This is something we cannot be lazy about.
0: Moms, we can no longer be spectators. We can no longer have this idea that we don't think our vote matters. Our vote matters. Our vote is our voice. And we've got to be out. We have a whole mom vote section on our webpage called mom vote, where you can register. You find out what polling places, uh, the, the platforms, the the voter guides. I mean, moms, we have to be engaged in our culture. We have got to be engaged in our culture. Like Abby's saying too, if you're voting yes and amen, but you've got to make sure that your neighbor, your friends, your, your daughters, your community, your church, that they're voting. So I'm saying yes and amen, Abby, because we can't lose this fight. We've got to take this state by state. We've got to protect the unborn. That's
1: right. Yeah. And I mean, be the annoying person. Like be the annoying friend. Be the annoying there's friend. Too, there's too much on the line for us to worry about making somebody annoyed or offending someone or whatever. Because let me tell you something. The left, they are not worried about offending you at all. Right. So why are we so worried about offending everybody else? This is our culture on the line. These mm-hmm. are our children on mm-hmm. the line. This is morality of our mm-hmm. society on the line. So be that that bee in everybody's bonnet, right? Be That's that right. squeaky wheel. Make sure people are doing their civic duty. Make sure they're voting. Make sure that you are on your social, everybody's got social media. Make sure you are on your social media platforms. Make sure that you are speaking out on the issues that matter. And, and educate your group. If your group is yeah. still trying to
0: figure out what is abortion? What is happening with abortion? You've got Abby's books, you've got the movies. I mean, there are so many avenues right now where we can speak to life and the truth about life. So be the resource, um, share the truth. Uh, I'd like to ask you a quick other question before we let you go here. What advice do you have with moms about raising pro-life children? I think this is a whole cultural issue, right? We've got to be speaking about life to our children and our daughters. And when do you approach this subject with them? And when do, we, when do we start discussing this? I remember when my kids heard about abortion, they were just mortified. They were like, you mean a mom's not gonna have, uh, they're not gonna carry their child? I mean, they don't want them. Why couldn't they give them to somebody else? I mean, logically in their brain, they, they couldn't comprehend it. But what about raising pro-life kids and, and, and affecting this generation? I'd love to hear your words uh, as we close here today.
1: So I think raising a a pro-life generation and, and, and raising pro-life kids is something that starts very early in a home. Um, So I, you know, we, and I think it really starts helping your children understand what is taking place with a baby in the womb at a very young age. So don't have any right here with me, but those little fetal models that are like 12 weeks, we always have those around our house. Um, My kids see those from a very young age. Little kids love those. They see them. They love them. They're little teeny tiny babies. Um, You can order them. You can get them. We always have those around our house. Um, My kids know that that's a little baby at 12 weeks and a mommy's tummy. You know, I mean, my three-year-old could look at that and go, baby, they know right. that that's a baby, right? Um, they've seen me pregnant for many, many years. Um, you know, when they see a woman right. that's pregnant, I'm like, "What's in that? What's in that mommy's tummy?" You know, and they're like, "It's a baby." Um, we have taught our children fetal development from a very young age. We have taught them that a baby's heart begins to beat at three weeks. Uh, we've taught them that babies have fingerprints. You know, we've taught them all mm. of these different things. You've made those babies wow. real. That's right, and so. Uh, we've taught them that their brain starts working at eight weeks. Like we we've taught them all of these things. Right. Um, and so we have really, we, we've made that baby a person Mm -hmm. to them. Right. Because that baby is a person.
0: Um,
1: and so we've also taken our children out. I take my children out to local abortion clinics to pray. Mm. Um, you're making them little activists already. Yeah. I mean, very young, they go to pro-life rallies with us Mm -hmm. and, you know, and they'll say, what, why are we here? What are we doing when they're little? I just say we're praying for babies in their mommy's tummies, right? That's all we say. Um, and then, you know, they may ask mom, you know, what, what is an abortion? And so, you know, I'll say, well, depending on how old they are, you know, they may ask that when they're like four or five years old and I'll say, well, um, you know, it's, it's when, uh, like my five-year-old just recently asked this and, uh, I'll say, well, uh, it's when a mommy doesn't want her baby and she goes to a doctor and a doctor takes the baby out of her tummy mm-hmm. and the baby doesn't live anymore. And, you know, they're like, huh? Okay. Like they don't really, you know, they're like, why, right. why, you know, and right. I'm like, Well, yeah, they don't, you know, they, can't they, they don't them. get it. It doesn't make sense to them. Um, but as they get a little older, Um, I start getting more descriptive. And the one thing I can say to parents, don't worry about being too descriptive with your kids. That was something that I worried about with, with my oldest daughter, Grace. When I took her to the March for Life, when the first year we ever went, she was three, she was about three and a half. We walked by an image of, uh, it was a graphic image. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I ever had to, pick out a a graphic image that was my favorite um it would be this one uh it's a it's a 24 week abortion and it's a baby that's been torn apart but they put it back together and then it's a 24 week baby in the NICU and it's hooked up to a bunch of tubes and the one that's aborted underneath it it says unwanted and the one in the NICU says wanted oh And we were walking by this and I, and I was thinking, you know, I had all these thoughts in my head and I thought, okay, do I try to shield her from this? Do I try to keep her from looking at it? Whatever, you know, she was young. Right. And, um, and I thought, no, I'm just going to play it out. Right. Whatever happens is going to happen. We were walking by it and she, she stopped and she looked at it, you know, for maybe a good 30 seconds. She didn't say anything. She just kept walking. And then, I don't know, a few feet later, she turned around. She looked at me and she goes, mommy, that baby was broken. Uh, And I said, yeah, Gracie, that, that baby was broken and she didn't say anything. And she just kept walking. So about a week later, we were saying our prayers at night and she said, mommy, she said, I want to pray for all the babies. And I want to pray that babies don't get broken
0: oh how beautiful
1: and I said okay so then she and I were going out to the clinics and praying regularly Mm -hmm. and so then probably a year later she had heard me talking about abortion she finally said what she asked me what abortion was and I said remember when you saw that picture I said I don't know if you remember this it was like a year ago you saw that picture my baby was broken she said yeah I said well that's abortion I said, it, it breaks babies. And, um, she was mad. She was like, why would a mommy do that to her baby? She was angry. And you know what moms that are listening? I, I let her sit with that anger Mm. because it should make us angry. Right. And I let her sit with it and I let her be mad because it should make all of us infuriated that this is happening. I didn't try to make excuses for why women do this or because there really is no excuse. Mm -hmm. So probably three years went by or something and she had heard my story a little bit, you know, and I I guess by that time she had heard that her mom had had two abortions. She'd never asked me a question about it or anything like that. We were in my car. She was probably about seven or eight years old. She was in the back of our van Mm. and this, we were not talking about abortion or anything. She said, mom, she said, you know how you've had two abortions? Mm. And I said, yeah, I said, I have. She goes, well, she goes, I've been thinking about it. She said, I think that those babies are in heaven and she said, I think that when you get to heaven, you're going to see them and you're going to get to hold them. Aww, sweet. And so I guess what I'm saying is don't be afraid to have right. these conversations with your kids, right? Your kids can handle it. They can take it. They can process a whole lot more than you think they can. Sure. I think that God gives them a very unique ability as children to process these hard topics. Um, You know, they have this childlike faith. And I think that they see things in the way that we should see them as very black and white.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that God helps them process those things in black and white. And I think it's a lot easier for them than we realize and really, and the, so the world
0: I, is 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 sharing this message with them at a very young age.
1: That's right. And so if, if we, we don't, don't share it with right. them, if we don't share this with our kids at a very young age, and I'm talking about anything, I'm talking about homosexuality, I'm talking about the transgender thing, anything. Right. I mean, my boys, you know, my seven year old, we were in we were in the store one day, and there were these two guys, and they kissed in line at the grocery store, and my seven year old looked at me, and he was just like, "What in the world?" You know. We went home, and I said we're going to talk about this. All right. And I thought my seven-year-old is not too young to hear that that is an abomination to the Lord. And he is not too young to hear about what the Lord says about homosexuality. And so we sat down and we talked about it and he walked away with an understanding mm-hmm. about marriage and what the Lord says about having a holy family. And that that's, that's right. not it. Right. And we have got to not be scared right. to talk to our children about these foundational Christian issues. And because if we don't, the world will, Yeah, and they we will talk will. to them at a very, very young age. So don't think I've got to protect my kids and mm-hmm. I've got to shelter my kids from this because listen, mamas, the world is not going to shelter your kids, right? You're so, so we right. need to talk to them from a Christian perspective. The Lord will protect them, right? But the world will not, and right. so you've got to talk to them about these very core tenets of our faith.
0: Yeah, the the world is stripping our kids of their innocence, of mm-hmm. their faith, of even relationships with their parents. I mean, we all know we we've talked a lot about this in different podcasts, but it is crude, it is horrendous what they're doing uh, in the schools and in the culture. So just like Abby said, I mean, we've got to be the ones that are teaching in our home at our kitchen table. we've, we're the ones that have to be raising our kids with the, with the principles, the biblical principles and the biblical truths and, you know, teach them, train them up in the way that right. they should go. So thank you, Abby.
1: Of course. Thank you.
0: Thank you to your tribe over there and to your husband and your family for letting you travel all around the country and share the good news about life and hope. Um, I just love what you're doing. You're just, you're one of those warrior mamas. How can people find out about uh, your podcast and your ministries? Is that on your website? Is that abbyj.com?
1: Yeah, abbyj.com, my new book, Fierce Mercy. They can get that there. They can listen to my podcast, Politely Rude, um, anywhere, but it's also linked there on my website. They can contact me. My contact link is there. So anything they want to know about me is on my website, abbyj.com. And what I love about it is we want to share your
0: testimony with all the moms in our circle so they can hear what God has done. And there's nothing like hearing from someone that has lived it, experienced it, and then transformed. I always just think that's so powerful because, you know, I can talk about something that I don't have any background in, but when you have someone that has been in the industry working for Planned Parenthood, saw an abortion and left because of what the divine revelation provided to her, and look what God has done! I just love it, Abby. So thank you so much. Thank you to your team over there too, and all those moms that are helping you fight for life. Uh, we're there in the trenches, in the trenches with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's going to take all of us, so all yeah, of it. us working together. All right. God bless you. Thank you, Abby.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Okay. Bye bye. What an incredible story. Um, I love Abby. I love her boldness. I love that she's proclaiming the truth. In speaking about life and abortion. So that is truly amazing. One of the things I did want to mention, she briefly mentioned it, but I, I want to get it uh, a little clearer here for you, is she has a ministry called Pro-Love Ministries. That is a 24-hour crisis helpline um, for moms, single moms, anyone in a crisis. Uh, the love, it's loveline.com, and their phone number is one 550 1588 Again, that is Pro Love Ministries by uh, Abby Johnson, a place where moms can go if they need help um, in a crisis. So write that down and share that as well, okay? All right, here at the end, I just wanna remind everyone to please stop by and visit our our website at momsforamerica.us. Again, check out all of our amazing resources, events and programs. Um, We have an amazing lineup of information for, for you moms, everything that's happening in our culture, how to run for school board, how to teach the principles of liberty to your home. Just everything you can imagine. Um, I'd love for you also to check out our signature program, which is called the Cottage Meetings. Uh, That's 12 lessons that will inspire and educate. uh, They'll help you educate you and your family about America's amazing heritage. Then you can share those principles of liberty in your home and in your community. It's amazing. All righty. That program, along with everything else, is on our website. We say from parental rights to public policy, Moms for America has it all, and we surely do. We also want to invite you. When you do go to our website, there, momsforamerica.us, sign up for our weekly newsletter. That's how we communicate with you every week. We will help you uh, be educated on issues that relate to you as a mom. Get a chance to engage with moms all around the country. Uh, so please sign up for our newsletter. We say this every week, moms. We believe that liberty begins at home, and that moms are truly, truly the heartbeat of America. That's why this is so this movement this movement is so, so powerful. It's the moms like you and I uniting all across the country um, to save our kids and to save our future. Again, please like and subscribe, share today's podcast. Abby is such an, a powerful story. Share this with your friends. Um, I believe it is a life changer. It is a world changing message that she will share. Um, and I believe moms like Moms in Our Circle will really be touched by it. Please join us next week as we have another inspiring and informative discussion with moms just like you. Thanks for joining us. Let's keep changing our world one home at a time. And I will talk to you next week. God bless.